Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode one of Accept Addictions, the P-Dubs. Get ready to immerse yourself in a podcast that's open to people of all stripes and persuasions. So sit back, open your ears, and prepare for an engaging journey. Why everything that's supposed to be bad make me feel so good? I'm not sure if I have any Kanye listeners present, but I just want to let you all know that every episode will begin with that song, Addiction by Kanye, just as a reminder that we all have different versions of ourselves. And for me, there's a confident woman, a timid child, a singer, an actress, a masochistic lover, even a different gendered version of myself. And I say this all to say that I embrace my imperfections because they make me who I am, which is an overall unique and unrepeatable miracle to the universe. And the truth is we all are. So this podcast, Accepted Addictions, is overall about, you know, the social norms that society deems acceptable, but can be toxic to our own personal development, growth, and behavior. So as you just take this ride, I want you to, you know, try to be open, but we're going to be diving into some juicy content. So let's get ready. Let's have some fun. Hi, and we're back. I hope y'all like that. It was Coco Fun, Major Laser, and T.Y. Savage. Some Naja for you. <laughs> um, but today we're going to be discussing a topic that I love to go into. Um, it's very complex, um, very intimate, and you probably guessed it, but it is sex. We're going to dive into the desires, the challenges, you know, a lot of it, the things that overall surround human sexuality, you know. Um, so I'm going to be talking about SZA, SZA's soulful, you know, music library, to my first experiences with media representation, starting from HBO and Cinemax, um, and even exploring, you know, our own needs and the longing to fulfill them, and sometimes those barriers that often prevent us from fully expressing ourselves. So whether you're a seasoned listener from the 20-somethings radio show with K&P Dubs, or if you're just a curious newcomer, you know, just here to listen, um, get ready, you know, get ready to unravel the layers of accepted addictions and engage in thoughtful conversation about the things that shape us as individuals and as a society.
Baby, I got what you need Baby, I'm a different breed Can you keep it on the low? Keep going, baby, nice and slow oh, no. oh, oh. Shout out, baby girl Shout out, baby girl that was a song that I personally love. I personally enjoy, but has yet to be released. Um, Baby Girl is somebody that I will be highlighting today. Um, she will be in the spotlight description and playlist for today's podcast. Every episode will have um, a spotlight for artists as well as a playlist for today. So if you do want to tap back into baby girl you can find her music in that playlist but as far as this song it has yet to be released so stay tuned but welcome 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 <laughs> we made it welcome to this podcast discussion about sex you know what i mean i want to i want to start with monique i don't know if y'all know who monique is but she is a comedian and i definitely want to reflect on my latest experience with her her stand up on netflix if y'all don't know who Monique is, she is a lady that originally petitioned for everyone to cancel Netflix because they weren't paying her enough as a black woman in comparison to her white counterparts. But that's neither here nor there. She has gotten her worth, evidently. And today, I just want to talk about that special that she rolled out um, on Netflix. So... When I first watched it initially, I found myself questioning the hour I spent watching what seemed to be like a rollout of a coming out of the closet TV special. But as time passed, I allowed the context and overall, you know, humor to really set in with me. And it made me contemplate some things that were said. There was a moment towards the end where Monique expressed some battle that she was facing. Um, it was a really touching scene where she shared the story of her grandmother, whose trans daughter was never fully loved by her grandmother. Even with her passing, her grandmother never showed that love. And Malik Monique believed that she received unconditional love from her grandmother because she was not seen as a disgrace due to her sexuality. And throughout her life, Monique suppressed her desire to experience or you know explore her sexuality you know denying her the experiences that you know most women satisfy but that she felt would cast a different shadow on her as a person especially with her experience of how her grandmother treated her um her own daughter but whoo that was a lot okay girls can never say they want it girls can't never say yeah Girls can't never say they need it Girls can't never say nah Girls can't never say they want it Girls can't never say how Girls can't never say they need it Girls can't never say nah Oh nah Give it to me like you need it, baby Want you to hear me screaming every breathing I don't need a reason, baby empowering anthem girls need love fill the airways i couldn't help but think about 
the weight of the situation I just talked about. Is, you know, Monique never had the opportunity to fully embrace her sexuality and satisfy her desires. Women are beautiful creatures with their softness or our softness and captivating sense. You know, how could one not be curious about exploring that side? I've noticed that many women I know personally have frolicked with other women, you know, kissed them, engaged in lesbian activities for fun while identifying either as heterosexual bisexual, the list goes on. And for Monique to kept to have kept these desires hidden for so long is this is disheartening for me. You know, it's really disheartening for me to hear because you know what, let's just shift to a topic at hand which I want to go over as far as sex, but let's go over gender. I can't help but feel that the concept of Womanhood has changed over time. Or maybe I should say that it feels like it's lost the essence of from what I've observed as a kid. As a kid, I thought it was going to be like the sisterhood of traveling pants, you know, pack of wolves, you know, um, dinners and brunches on weekends and weekdays, stuff like that, you know, whole click popping, whatever, all that. But to me now, it seems that we're more focused on getting to know men more rather than building meaningful relationships with each other as women. And I'm not saying that men and women should be divided at all because I think that we are needed, both women and male, male and, male and female. But I'm saying right now as far as the meaningful relationships and we're missing out on creating those spaces where we can openly share and explore our experiences on a deep and authentic level. It took Monique so long in her marriage. It was, I think, her fourth marriage, she said, to open up about the desire to finally be with a woman. Wow. You know, imagine if we had a, you know, everyone had this sisterhood where they can go and have these conversations and support one another or even just hear each other out and see where we're coming from. I'm reading this book right now called Getting Off by Erica Garza. And it was one part of the book that really stuck with me. And she said that I never gave myself permission to be an open, explorative, experimental, sexual person and just be okay with that. And I, I really liked that part. I found my own little conundrums, my own little you know ways around it. Um, I found Cinemax, you know, something late at night, getting that thrill and remembering that, you know, shit, I might get caught. They might catch me. But later in my adulthood, I realized that, you know, I was playing out that same shit. You know, I was still, you know, I didn't know how to have pleasure without shame. And so I did it in a secret or I never really gave myself that full experience. I really wanted to address that because I had to learn on my own that this is my experience and I want to be okay with it. You know, the reason why I do this podcast today isn't because, you know, I expect to expose this part of myself and now all my problems are solved, but everything is relative. 
Accepted Editions is a place where I can speak up for people who are still so ashamed and feel so alone. So I'll never regret, you know, sharing my story and sharing what I've been through or what these things are because I feel like that's important and that's needed. So I just wanted to share that part of myself as well and let you know the importance of authenticity when it does come to that sex and, and, and what you are most curious about. so 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 powerful really a throwback but it is so powerful and if you didn't know about it now you know and if you want to tap back in go back to today's playlist and find that goodie right there but I want to dive back into the topic before that I feel like as we navigate adulthood it's become increasingly challenging to form genuine connections just genuine friendships and I feel like we really need to learn to cherish those that resonate with our spirit most. You know, some people are holding on to their childhood friends. Some are holding on to others that carry the hurt and mistrust from past relationships. You know, why can't we coexist or why can't we support each other? How do we get to this point? And I think it's important to recognize that nothing meaningful can be achieved without consistency. It takes investing, checking in, holding each other accountable, plus being vulnerable to reach that level of deepness in your own connection. You remember Destiny's Child? Remember the Cheetah Girls, the Pussycat Dolls, Danity Kane? Those are all powerful female groups that had their own influence on pop culture at a time. And I feel like that's another discussion for another day when it comes to addiction. But I feel like those things played a pivotal part in terms of how we looked at each other. Like we got the songs like True Friend or um, True Friend, Hey Montana, <laughs> um, Pussycat, Pussycat Dolls, um, Stick With You. Like, I don't feel like there's any songs that are uplifting at this point. We, have, we got female groups like The City Girl, JT. Um, but they ain't talking about nothing that's uplifting for me. But that's another conversation, like I said. But let's get ready to dive into uh, a captivating conversation um, that basically explores the complexities, challenges, desires, you know, surrounding human sexuality. I know y'all been waiting for that. So let's uncover those layers and session light on some of my own experiences. Yeah. 
Went from hands on the wheel to hands on my thigh hands on my body in the back of a Porsche I'm in love with your fingertips I reminisce places you kiss Girl, it's been too long And when you rock them short nails That's low-key sentimental Now keep them cut, though So there ain't no incidentals And I love them tattoos I still gotta learn them all Tell me when you're gonna make them The writings on my wall And touch me, feel me too And if you don't know what love languages are, they're a unique way in which we express and receive love. They help us understand how we can best communicate our affection to our partners and to our loved ones. So it's not just to your boyfriend and girlfriends, it can also be to your family and friends. And even, you know, just people that you associate with, but this just better helps you understand what those things are. But before we dive into the intricacies of love languages, I want you guys to, you know, reflect on what yours, your own are, you know, um, specifically because there are, you know, acts of service, physical touch, words affirmation, quality time, gift giving. It, it, the list goes on. And there are a lot of, you know, unique inclinations, but I would say that I am a sucker for physical touch quality time, and words of affirmation. Talk that shit and let me hear it, baby. That's what I'm saying. But as we continue this journey, let's explore how discovering love languages can help us cultivate deeper connections, strengthen emotional bonds, as well as, you know, create a more loving environment for ourselves as well as the people that we surround ourselves with. But I do want to journey back into a unique experience that I had, you know, at a Masego concert. There was a song that I loved, but it hit a little different. Obviously, because it was live, but it really sat in a little bit more being in that live experience. So the song I'm referring to was Masego's 24-hour relationship. And the song just made me think of the energy, the rush, and that overall excitement of being in a space, you know, of thrill, new connection, reconnections, even that allure of the unknown. You know what I'm talking about? Patiently waiting, I've been faking for a long time 
Encountering someone new, that mixture of excitement, anxiety, anticipation, all those feelings that accompany those initial moments of attraction. It, it's like a fresh chapter unfolded before your eyes, you know, filled with endless possibilities, untapped potential. The list goes on. But to set the mood for this discussion, I want to indulge in. Masego's 24-hour relationship. Once I play that, I want you all to reminisce, you know, about those times where we wish you could go back in time and experience certain songs, certain emotions for the very first time. There's just something undeniably captivating about those initial encounters, whether it be, you know, infatuation, chemistry, it's that unique blend of stress <laughs> and excitement that, you know, can never and may never be duplicated. I recently came across this, some would say wild, scenario involving a friend of mine. And she knowingly embraces the role of being um, a side chick in this, you know, complex, relate dynamic uh, relationship um, their relationship thrives on lust and constant communication that's sneaky and that allure of an overall unattainable connection, you know. And with the excitement and the overall happiness that she shared with me, it had me thinking really, mm, it, it raised really a question What's the secret to a long-lasting, happy relationship? Do long-lasting relationships inevitably lose the thrill of new connections? I wouldn't know, but I, I do want to tap more into that and learn more about other people's experiences and what they think those two questions, um, answers to those two questions are. But like I said, as you think and ponder that, those two questions, uh, I do want to let you sit with this song that had me thinking, that got this whole conversation started. A 24-hour relationship. Aw, oh, damn. I done messed around and spent the night. I didn't even know my body could do all that. Mm. I wonder if he thinks I'm easy. I wonder if he gon' think about it for the next week like I know I am. Cause we had a real good night. I mean, a real passionate night. I mean, I am a Taurus. I just know he gon' fall in love all that damn eye contact I was holding. Maybe I should, uh, scoot back. Put it up against him. Let him touch on my booty. Mm. He probably don't even take me serious. She probably think I think she a little, a little fast, kind of. Nah. 
notion that is all that. Wow. Look at the curves. I, I just want to just touch a booty real quick. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Come on now. Classic, classic. Pinkies up, pinkies up. Pinkies up! I know she knows she look good. She probably don't even get more than a breath. Man, and that hair. Man, she could be bald headed. I don't care. Like, I just know. She smelled good. Skin soft. Curvy, intelligent combo hair. Like honestly, I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted. I wanted to stay a while. Like, man, shut up, man. Weak, man. Pinkies up, man. Pinkies up. Pinkies up. I'm just thinking, like, what if she's lady, lady? Like, what if this woman is lady, lady? What's gonna happen next? I want to start with this clip from a rapper I personally really do enjoy. Um, named Smoke Dizza. This is his podcast, and I'm just going to show just a little segment to lighten the moment that I want to go into. Called the Personal Party Podcast. Um, this episode is called This Guy Again, and I'm just going to be playing that scene I was talking about. It's bro, but come, like, filter this shit before you say it, man. What about doodle? It's got wild graphic, like, it's just too graphic. It's like, every time... This is a podcast. No, 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 no. But we can't not do the porn star of the week thing. That was the most graphic thing. And now, like, every couple, like, you know, segues, you got some AO shit, or you just got some... Nah, nah. Some super, like, graphic HBO at night shit, like... Not even HBO, we on Cinemax. You going wild. You remember Real Sex on HBO? That shit was soft. Soft porn used to piss me off. Yeah, yeah, the Showtime porn. That was Showtime the most, at night. Yo, that was the stupidest yeah. shit they ever had, soft porn. Yeah. And I ain't even a porn nigga. It just just make me mad. I gave it up to that, though, a couple times, though. I had to. Had to. To the soft porn, I had to. It is what it is, dude. You was a selecting into nigga. You was a nigga that was ordering. Nah, Channel 35. You already know. You know my. Yeah. Selecting into? Oh, yeah. On Channel 72. It was 71, 72 in New York. Or 69 and 70. 69. Yeah, 69, 70, 70. That would make sense, Channel 69. It was Spice, Spice. Wow. It was Spice. Oh, well, 69. Yeah. I ain't think of that. That's crazy. Shout out to Bird. Robin Bird got a uh, uh, Instagram, nigga. Fuck out. I came. That was that was really funny to hear. You know, it was really funny to hear about other people's sexual experiences. You know, the fact that they have that same familiar experience as me. You know, using that pixelated TV with those channels with no cable, and you know, using Cinemax and HBO when you finally did get cable. That's just funny to hear, and it's relatable, but. I know how that was funny, but I want to make it a little more serious and talk about the fact that being exposed to sex early can be very damaging. My idea of sex as a child or my idea of sex um, at some point until it's ended, um, you know, I am in mental health now, so I had to do a lot of self-discovery, but my idea of sex was fucked. I thought of it as an experiment instead of an experience. Um, These experiences 
played a profound impact on my understanding of sex intimacy. Um, and I feel like without true understanding of what sex is, you know, it can be really damaging. It can really be hurtful to what we think is real life versus what reality, uh, what um, is just, you know, a media representation and how much we're intaking to now think that that will be our reality. So I just want to say that these things can shape our desires and our interests, and they often lead us to you know, a mindset that we take on for ourselves rather than seeking more, you know, meaningful and authentic experiences. So I just believe that it's essential to recognize the potential effects of early exposure and also to reflect on how it has now influenced our attitudes towards sexuality. Um, and I can only imagine the children, you know, um, as much as we try to ignore it, um, all these things are addictive. They can become addictive. And as we consider our own experiences, we need to acknowledge that as time has passed, things have changed. And yes, we have done these things in our own way, but we can't ignore the fact that a lot has changed. We have to put more time and more understanding into what children are intaking. Because, yes, you know, we came through things that are similar, but we have to acknowledge that we are amongst the only generations that were granted the access through social media to the Internet and through the lives of people and pockets of celebrities and a bunch of parasocial activity where we feel like we know people and we need to take on this gaze that isn't our lives or something that we can maintain. You know, a lot of our media of diet is poor and it is something that we need to recognize that has began with us, you know, as far as the 80s and onward, but how is it impacting us as a society, um, especially as we're growing as adults? how can we help the children? Because yeah, it was media and it was okay and it was cool. And sometimes, um, you know, we learn to try to, you know, have that understanding of, hey, I, I know what isn't good. I know what not to believe and I know what um, isn't morally uh, correct. But sometimes it can be hard with the amount of material that we are um, in a way overextended to um because sometimes it can be hard to for some children to confuse their self-worth with all the media representation that's in front of them so i think we need to do a better job of the consumerism of what's being pushed and understand and show them that there is a difference and maybe we should start making those differences it's crazy because <clears throat> when i was a kid my favorite thing to watch was hey arnold and when I watch it now as an adult, it has such deep messages as far as, um, you know, Arnold having parents, him being so helpful and wholesome. The reason why Helga loved him so much was because that he was the only person that ever showed her empathy as far as, you know, never being looked upon or being considered at home. Everyone just thought it was a front. Never, No one ever saw that as a front. They just thought she was mean. It was just so much of a deep message there. Um, and also, like, another thing I love was, like, Static Shock. And I rewatched that the other day. And it was basically the first episode was crazy. Imagine seeing this as a kid, the um, influencer cap. So the first episode basically 
they trying to jump static into a game because he can't defend himself. Mind you, this is a black show. So this is a black kid who can't defend himself. He's getting bullied every day. And this gang approaches him like, yo, I'm tired of you getting beat up every day. You might as well join a gang for protection. And Static is faced with a decision, you know what I mean? And just seeing it as the first episode is very powerful. And there's so many things like that that I had as a kid, but I feel like aren't here right now in 2023. It's something that I heard Bell Hook say before in an interview. It was whether we're talking about race or gender or class, pop culture is where the learning is. It's where the pedagogy is. You understand? So I think that, you know, sometimes pop culture raises us. It gives, makes us identify with what people are, especially with things that we aren't, um, you know, as knowledgeable of. A lot of times people look to pop culture for their own understanding. And I hate how some people don't want to acknowledge that the influence, but it's very important. Because I, I say that because... As a kid, I've had those same groups I mentioned that kept me afloat to know that, you know, even if all these sexual media is here, there's people still my age that are evolving at a good pace, at a great pace, and that I can look to um, as an idol in that way, you know, that brings me that essence that I can still believe that I have potential for, that someone looks just like me and I can still rise above and be my own person. Um, and a lot of times, you know, with these things that I mentioned, they had great messages there um, to be yourself, to stand on your, to stand um, with love and, and things of the sort. But right now, you know, I feel like they don't have as much cool teenagers to look up to. You know, they don't have Disney and Nickelodeons and stores like, you know, Limited 2 that, um, you know, keep us being kids, keep us youthful. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, I age pretty well. I didn't stop watching, you know, Disney and, and, and all this stuff until, you know, my preteens. And it made sense because I'm still a kid. And at that point, after those years, you know, I developed my own personality. I developed my own music taste. And it was something that was gradual and not overly mature. But I do want to play something um, from Bell Hooks, basically, that is about the influence of media and how we need to acknowledge it as much as we say, hey, it's just a show. Hey, it's just a book. Hey, 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 it's just this. It is that deep. So take a listen. It's frightening to me now when people want to behave as though certain images don't mean anything. I thought of this when I saw Larry Clark's kids. And I went back like in circles of progressive white friends and I said, oh, God, you know, the racial politics in terms of representation in this film really suck. And they really wanted to say it didn't matter. It didn't mean anything. And I was like, give me a fucking break. I mean, like, we know why the person who's brutally bashed to death is a dark-skinned black man. It's not, it's not, it's, it's crucial that he's a dark-skinned black man. Because, in fact, 
people's antipathy to dark-skinned black men is actually much greater than their antipathy to black men in some kind of general way. I feel that it's frightening that as mass media uses more certain kinds of representations for specific impact and effect, we're also being told that these images are not really that important. Think about all the Americans who've never ever in their lives for one you know, second thought about Scotland and Ireland, who went to see Braveheart, who suddenly like put notions of British imperialism and the freedom of, of, of Ireland on, on their little social maps because of a Hollywood movie. I was truly awed by how much a Hollywood film could like totally alter people's perceptions of national liberation struggles globally in a way that would call attention to those who, who, are, who are, in a sense, the underclass in those struggles. And that is also the power of white male privilege. White male stardom, I mean, it, it's important for people to look at who produced and directed that film. Because it's not just that Hollywood can do that, it's that specific liberal white men who are moneyed within the context of Hollywood can produce whatever images that they want to produce. I really liked what Bell Hook said because one of the main things I wanted to talk about today was the amazing artistism. And I wanted to say that about her because black celebrities are a central part of American culture, for better or for worse, uh, because Entertainment and athletics are, you know, the two main areas that we are most celebrated, um, especially when it comes to monetary value. And I, I just want to say that we don't get we don't have that same affordability when it comes to credibility of our white counterparts. Um, for example, you know, the white celebrities, they can have a way into dominating classrooms, academia, or politics, while we're most celebrated for the clothes we wear, the cars we buy, the jewelry we buy, the surgeries we obtain. And that sometimes shows our self-worth or the happiness that comes with that, not the um, intelligence or it's okay to be willfully ignorant because, you know, you can still have that stardom. But I want to say that the, the stars that do highlight the important, the very important um, authentic, authenticity, um, I love to highlight. And SZA, I wanted to bring up today because I feel like she started there as someone that was really known for that authenticity that she uh, held, especially in a group of being the only woman of an all-male group, um, specifically known as TDE. Um, I thought she was really important. I feel as though she's being in the spotlight has lost that authenticity. And I wouldn't even say lost authenticity. I would say more so ignore reality and it's okay to be, you know, willfully ignorant. 
like in comparison to what I said about, you know, um, dominating the academia, we don't have that chance because we're just spewing ignorance the higher up we go. And it's okay not to agree with everything we're saying, everyone, anyone says, but I'm just saying we have that platform right now. What are we going to do with it? And I ain't shining down no motherfucking face. Now, bitch, if you're pushing up the street with your orangutan looking ass, take some advice and bang scissors in your flat foot feet. Itching for a climax, last and past 11 30. Do you got it like that? Do you really got it like that? Itching for a purpose, I can't seem to scratch the surface. I ain't got it like that. Do I really got it like that? You keep talking about time, I got none You can find me with the sun, don't never win And the waves don't part You don't pay enough for my rent, don't start I got big dream, you got quick scheme To get rich quickly, and I don't wanna waste another hour Really need to take another shower Dirty for you Damn, J-Rock That was either 2014 or 2015 J-Rock's album, 959. That was the time. I can remember exactly the first time I heard it, when I first opened Spotify, where I was at. And then I heard it, and I was just like, oh, and it got SZA on here. I, I've been fucking with SZA for a while, okay? She first appeared in this EP uh, I found on SoundCloud um, called S that followed collaborations with Chance the Rapper, Kendrick Lamar, Isaiah Rashad, the list goes on. Um, like for that to be her first EP, she has some fucking greats on there. And I was just like, yeah, this girl is going to be a problem. She about to be trouble. And it just showed how versatile and talented she were. She was so early, but it wasn't until her album Control came out that truly left that lasting impact for myself and her fans. Yes, S, the SAP and the ZEP were exactly what I needed, you know, in high school um, and the person I was with the, you know, the things I was doing and the personality I had. But it was control that I was just like, mm hmm. Yeah, this is a defining experience. You know, um, it resonated deep. Um, it brought out another side of herself when it came to that creative expression, as well as for myself um, in that time period, you know? Um, but as time went on, I noticed that there was a shift in Sizz's image and approach to her music. It seemed like she began conforming to societal beauty standards. Um, and I feel like that had an impact, an overall impact on her um, authenticity for real. Whether it, were, whether it was like a, you know, a result of external pressure or personal choice, I feel like her focus seemed to shift more toward her appearance than her music. Um, she she became like a lot of her songs became less. It didn't show as talented as she yet as she is. You know, um, with her singing, it became very annoying. Um, I had to, you know, look up a lot of lyrics to understand what she was saying. Uh, a lot of the words became very either toxic, trendy. Um, yes, she made songs like Love Galore. And I feel like Love Galore 
was that song that every artist has to put on their album to get their foot in the door because they know this is going to be on the radio. This is going to be something that gets me on the charts. Yes. But that was one of the entire album. So I feel like since, you know, Control first happened, um, you know, I, I won't disregard the impact of songs like Hit Different and, you know, because that was a single after Control came out because that song was definitely amazing. But Hit Different was my first stance at seeing like, all right, something's happening because there were two different videos one where that was completely sexual let me show my body off i'm working out i'm cute as hell this has nothing to do with the lyrics of the song and then she made another video that had everything to do with the song it talked about growth and and, and then she said that one of the lyrics is like feeling like joe when he first found out this all no i'm, I'm quoting frank ocean no, she's like, whatever. But the song hit different, just went with the second video of her growing and, and the, the, the scenery around her growing with her. And it just overall made sense. While now all of her music is about showing her body off, showing the BBL she's got, showing the, the new lip she has, no showing the new makeup and the new big ass she has. And it's whack, okay? Because after taking six years to make an album after Control, I anticipated so much more. I was okay with, okay, you know, these are singles, that's why they suck. But when that album dropped, SOS, right after Control, six years later, it was like a prolonged extension of Control. You know what I mean? Because like, for example, with the S EP, the, e, the Z EP, those you can see that transition into control. While with SOS, it just showed like toxic, um, get money, fuck niggas. They treat me like shit, so I'm gonna treat them like shit back. I wanna fuck your best friend. Um, and a lot, a lot of, I noticed that it was very trendy with a lot of things that kids say now um, on TikTok, on social media. Um, and it just was nasty for me to hear because I'm not a kid. She's not a kid. What is this? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, I, I really I really don't like that children are being shipped their innocence because especially with someone, that, especially as a child that probably listened to SZA later um, and felt like, maybe she got on more when she did that body change, when she did that face switch, when she did all these dramatic physical appearance switches. And for someone that doesn't have as thick skin as me or as a kid, you know, you're probably going to feel like you have to do those things. Well, you don't. You know, we're romanticizing so much toxic shit because it looks good because of that certain look that comes with it. And it's making me scared, actually. These aesthetics are aging the youth. Her video reminded me of this video. It reminded me of this. This little girl got expelled from school because she took a firearm into the bathroom to take pictures and videos. And y'all know exactly what type of aesthetic she was mimicking. It reminds me of this. 
it's to the point where the girls ain't even asking that the girls don't even have no type of cool they're not even trying to hide it no more they're just straight up begging for the bag on the surface because i know that's where a lot of y'all like to stay y'all gonna make excuses oh they're just kids we did the same shit when we was kids maybe that's the problem Maybe that's what we're trying to fix. But to the core, whether you like it or not, a lot of children are being stripped of their innocence because of these certain aesthetics and images that are being forced on them. One of these aesthetics that I feel is responsible for stripping the girls of their innocence is the bad bitch aesthetic. I'm going to be honest because for one, a lot of the trends naturally age you. Let's just be for real. The heavy makeup, the certain wardrobe, it naturally makes you look older, right? But for two, the lifestyle that it entails. Because today's bad bitch is now is now about possessions, it's about an aesthetic, it's about the look, it's about what you can afford, right? It is forcing younger girls into the male gaze at rapid speeds because the girls are seeing if you want to get this certain lifestyle if you want to get this certain image if you want to get this wig and this bust down all you got to do is fuck better men all you got to do is date a rapper or a scammer or a drug dealer we are to the point where we are even romanticizing some of these men for the sake of living a certain lifestyle i will be out here dating whole murderers murderers scammers drug dealers i'm talking about some of the evilest niggas in the world you will date them just for a lifestyle and then have the audacity to shit on someone else when they don't subscribe to that lifestyle. This is also why I think today's bad bitch is very synonymous with being a mean girl. Because I notice every time uh, if a woman chooses to go a different route nowadays, if she chooses to stay down and date her working man or stay down and whip her Honda, her 2006 Honda until she come up, now you're automatically better than her or she's not a bad bitch. When in reality... A real baddie is a woman who is independent. Mainly when I say that, I mean you get your boost of confidence from yourself, from your own energy, from your own essence, your aura, your style, your swag, the way you speak. You go within to feel desirable where now society's bad bitch it's like y'all only feel desirable when you are being desired by men. It's very male-centered. And when you are a woman and you center men, you are naturally aging yourself, period, because you're stressed. You're stressed. I know. I used to be there. That's what I can describe it. It feels like you're constantly going to war. When I was in that masculine energy, because at the end of the day, the city girl aesthetic is very masculine. The best way I can describe it is it felt like every time I'm about to go see my dude, I was preparing myself to prove myself, to prove that I'm the baddest bitch, to prove that I deserve that vacay, to prove that I deserve that bag. It's draining. And now the younger girls are seeing these images and they're mocking them and they are being stripped of their innocence. Again, I know y'all don't like these conversations. Y'all don't like deep and meaningful conversations. And anytime y'all hear it, you automatically just deem somebody a hater. and They hating on you because you young and turn, which is so weird because Sexy Red is closer to my age than she is to y'all age. So am I, am I mad or do y'all just not like hearing the truth? Either I want to show a clip from complex uh it's probably in 2009 2010 um that's when i first started listening to SZA, and basically the interview is going over what to expect from her what kind of artist she is and who she is as a fellow member of the group tde and in the interview you can see her you know dressed like a tomboy looking her raw self you know what i mean just feeling looking comfortable but also looking timid and it just showed me that 
SZA's confidence never allowed her to be who she is today. Because right now she's quote unquote talking her shit. Right now she's quote unquote the most confident she's ever been. And it is because of the transformation she made in her body. Just watching this interview, I'm seeing her shoulders high, um, her nervous smile and everything she says. And I don't want other women or other children to see that the only way to be confident or, or love yourself is through getting these body transformations. You know what I mean? SZA could have still been this confident person that she's talking about in music without that. But um, from the gazing eye, you know, someone who, who doesn't have um, comprehension in that way, they'll see that they'll see an interview like this and see that SZA was timid and she wasn't as confident until now that she has this new body, this new look. And whatever, ha to me, it just shows like, you know, whatever happens to standing on business of being you, you know what I mean? What happens to being unique? What happened to just standing out? I thought that was the coolest shit ever as a kid. And even now, like I love being the different person that I am. So that's why I veered from, you know, the music that SZA puts out now. But let's just hear this interview so you guys can see that none of this is hate. This is strictly just a consumer showing the overall difference and why I have years from it. But here I go. I'm going to ask you about TD, being that you were the uh, the first lady of TD. Um, low-key, I'm really just one of the boys. I know people say that, I'm just like, I'm just one of the guys. But no, like, for real. Nobody cares that I'm a female, ever. <laughs> what was it like joining a group that was already established for some years then? You can't help but want to cater to their fan base because you want to give them something that's like td worthy but you want to do it in your own way but they've been so supportive like just very like just do you you mentioned people decrypting your music for the people that have decrypted it what do you think it is that connects with them maybe honesty and it's weird to be like real but it's not that it's just like really at the end of the day we all cry we all hurt and usually the same thing hurt all of us no matter what, like zigzag when I talk about SZA, I talk about her in the same breath people talk about Drake being the greatest of all time. That's why when I'm saying all these things, it isn't to tear down her as an artist because in the way Joe Button was saying how you felt about Drake's latest work when it came to For All the Dogs, I can say the same when it came to SZA. Um, what he was saying was basically that you know, he expects more of an evolved album from someone at his age and point in time of music, especially with how long he's been in music. Um, he expected more, something more glorified. And I, I can say the same about SZA because um, after hearing, you know, Control One, um, I expected more of a Cleo soul, you know. And after all this communication about Drake's album and him no longer being the greatest all time, it really made me come to a overall perspective for both artists, well, all artists that, well, not all artists, these specific artists, that they were always, you know, catering to this audience of everyone. You know, some artists I listen to usually have either a neo soul or a certain type of 
lane they like to stay in. Whereas Drake or Scissor, for example, they've always wanted to cater to every audience. So now as we are growing up, as we as listeners or some of us as listeners, for example, Joe Button as he is evolving into more of a mature man, he wants more mature music out of this person that he grew to love in music. Um, just as far as for me, you know, I'm growing and evolving as a person. So I want the person that I grew with as a child or at a certain point in my lifetime to evolve as well. And sometimes I feel like we expect too much out of artists. And especially as adults, we have to be the things that we look for or just not take things as a grain of salt. Um, because with the scissor thing, I could easily say, oh, we're ch- I-, I-, I can't take her for her authenticity and the things that she's making now when it's whatever fuck it because I can always find another artist that I can resonate with you know if she's no longer feeding that someone else can and that is what about that's what change is about that's what allowing a person to be a person is about and that's what is um about you know just overall adaption and not even just adaption but just allowing change and not just wanting people to stay the same or wanting things to stay the same because if she doesn't work for me, uh, like I just mentioned, Cleo Soul is an artist that is resonating with the kind of person I am at this point. Um, and that's what I wanted for SZA, but she just not, she's, she isn't giving that. When I say Cleo Soul, I don't mean just anything. And for those of you that are listening and don't know who Cleo Soul is, she's just basically a very um, spiritual healed kind of artist you know and I say that I want a Cleo soul version because um as you know from S or Z or Control those albums were very much broken um it's a journey there you see that this person is being very vulnerable about being broken but then to get you know the next very big project after six years you would want something that's more healed more evolved and that's what I mean by Creole Soul. So just to give you guys that disclaimer. So when it comes to slurring artists for not giving us what we want, we need to become that or look for those avenues. I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it I'll be where I want to be female j cole <laughs> because these videos are starting to blow my shit today i saw because it made me just think like oh you know j cole he's one of the most known conscious rappers at this point because if you're a conscious rapper as a woman um you're not getting that recognition and i feel like to this day still tiara whack need to get hers uh no name gypsy need to get hers but let's i'm just gonna that's another conversation but it just made me think that even J. Cole's biggest turnaround, biggest song that made him jump off wasn't his conscious rap. It was the motherfucking song Workout, which is about sex. Again, <laughs> sex is really the main theme, the main political theme. And going back to the video we just watched, it made me think of the book I'm reading again that I talked about earlier called Getting Off, um, which is... Um, really important and a part that I really liked that I'm just going to read off was 
Sometimes I wonder if there had been more research and more discussion about sexual addiction in women. Would I have changed my behavior? Had there been more available examples of vulnerable, open, honest women sharing their journeys? Would I have been more willing to embrace the possibility that I wasn't alone and unfixable? It's hard to know for sure. And that's where it ends. I think that is really important, that, that quote alone in that book, because I feel like a lot of women choose these things to conform to because they feel like they don't have any um, safe space or anyone to confine in as far as like their own actual desires and things that they want to do as a human being themselves. Okay. And I just think it's really important to get back to, again, humanity and back to the realm of sex. I feel like, you know, there is a profound need for open dialogue, acceptance and learning. You know, it's a fundamental aspect of our human nature and a source for pleasure, satisfaction, procreation. So, however, I just want you to always keep in mind that it's crucial, you know, to navigate these discussions with sensitivity, compassion, and respect for individual experiences and journeys. You know, whether, you know, Sis is actually doing this because she wants to or not, I'm just stating that we need to think about sex outside of just something that happens in the bedroom. The sun is setting and it's a beautiful morning. You probably hear the dogs barking and probably some police in the background. But before I let y'all go, I do wanna just say that I know this wasn't something that you expected at all when it came to the conversation of sex, but I'm happy that you all stayed and listened and stay tuned for the next things that I have for you all, you know, as we enter the accepted addictions realm. Um, I hope you learned a lot today. And if you have anything you would like to add, feel free to, you know, comment on our accepted addictions post, um, DM, or even, you know, leave some feedback about the podcast today. And I'm going to leave you with my ending note of to the lives we lead, to the moments we make, to the dreams we make, and to the fucked up shit we can't erase. Cheers to us, and catch the artist spotlight and episode playlist in today's description. With love, P-dubs, next time on Accepted Addictions. Why everything that's supposed to be bad make me feel so good? Everything they told me not to was exactly what I would. Man, I tried to stop, man, I tried the best I could, but You make me smile What's your addiction? Is it money? Is it girls? Is it... I've been afflicted by not one, not two, but all three She's got the same thing about me, but more about us She's coming over, so I guess that means I'm a drug Just let me peek now, I mean, dang I'm so curious, she's got a lover So the lies and the lust is a rush Time's of the essence, I need you to be spontaneous Roll up the doja, Henny and cola Then I'm coming over, cause it's ne never over oh.